Good morning. You know, about a week and a half before this sheen, before Rahatsu, um, you know, all of us here who are who are trying to create the container, you know, we were looking at the numbers and 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 the number. I think there was like eighteen. There were like six people signed up. <laughs> about two weeks ago, a week ago, and then maybe there were 18. And I thought, okay, this is understandable. Sitting five days is really enormous. We will just have a, a small sashin. Um, and then um, the numbers just kept going up. And I think we were at between all of these beautiful beings here and all of these beautiful beings here. I think we we're probably about um, 50 of us sitting. So that is, to me, th the most encouraging thing, that we are taking up this um, really new Sangha challenge and experiment of sitting Rahatsu together in this way, and we're doing it. And as I had, you know, we had mentioned in the letter that maybe part of what helps support um, us for those who have sat rahatsu together we have that memory in our body of of what it feels like to be together what rahatsu form and container feels like you know and that um we're so welcoming of those who are sitting sashin for the first time and hopefully being able to feel that form as well So, so thank you. I know we say this all the time, but you know the we we all create this sangha body. We create it together, and I think that's a little bit about what I want to talk about today in some meandering way. Um, you know, teaching with Kosen is interesting, you know, because we're, we're trying to um, respond to each other, have a conversation with each other. And um, so Kosen started us off yesterday with a kind of a profound metaphor of um, the Dharma wheel. <laughs> in the cosmos, you know, like he went really big picture. I felt like, you know, so I'm listening to this and I'm, I'm feeling just like, it's like I was looking up at the night sky and seeing the constellations of the Dharma wheel, the wheel of samsara. It was like huge and powerful, overwhelming sometimes in a way and um, just vast. And it was intriguing, intriguing imagery um for me because i don't usually think in terms of wheels I, I think in terms of cycles and i love circles but i don't think in terms of wheels so in a way it was like okay um that's day one <laughs> we're starting off very powerfully and what do i do for day two you know because day two is usually like okay the first couple of days of sashin we, we we're often dealing with the manifestation of some of the transition from um, 
our 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 mundane life you know where we we go about here and there and managing to the the um the the settling into a container and um so anyway, I was playing with all sorts of things. I, the first thing I thought of was very strange, and this is really beside the point. Um, when I was a kid, me and my girlfriends, we take the um, wheels off of our baby. Like we, this is this is a gender <laughs> confession for you. Uh, 1965 or 66, we used to have um, baby carriages that we would we would put our dolls in and and stroll around with. So um, I think we got tired of that. So we took the wheels off of them and we would have contests where we would, we would each have our own wheel and we would um, do Olympics and see who can <laughs> race the wheel down the, down the sloping road and who would win. So that was the first thought I had, which was just a funny memory. But I remember if we weren't, if you didn't get enough momentum on that wheel, it would just crash really quick. Like it would just wobble over and crash. So um, it just started me thinking about like, what is it to turn the wheel of Dharma? What does that mean? How, how are we doing this? How does this relate to our Sashin? And also, you know, how do we uh, jump off? You know, I was thinking about, it was like, okay, in the, in the sky is like this wheel of Dharma, this wheel of samsara, they're there. And I was trying to figure out how do they interact? You know, are they together? Do they, how do they impact each other? Does does the wheel of samsara like you know how what's the functioning there? So you can tell my mind's been kind of a little agitated by this inquiry. <laughs> Kind of just wish I could sit in silence with you all, but um, I I was using it as an opportunity to try to feel into a grounding into this as a teaching for us in Sishin. So what makes the Dharma wheel turn? As we're spinning around in the wheel of samsara, how do we align ourselves with the Dharma? I think, you know, Sushin is a very powerful time for all of us to um, sense into this deeper functioning of the universe. So I want to start off with a quote from Suzuki Roshi around Sushin. from this book, Not Always So. He says, um, the purpose of Sashin is to be completely one with our practice. We use two Chinese characters for Sashin. Setsu means to treat something the way you treat a guest or the way a student treats his or her teacher. Another meaning of Setsu is to control or to arrange things in order. Shin means mind or heart. So sashin means to have proper functioning of mind, or you can say sashin means to have proper functioning of heart. How do we get our heart in um, a proper alignment 
How do we get our mind in a proper alignment? It is our five senses and our will, what he calls our small monkey mind, which should be controlled. When we control our monkey mind, we resume our true big mind. When monkey mind is always taking over the activity of big mind, we naturally become a monkey. <laughs> so monkey mind must have its boss, which is big mind. However, when we practice Zazen, it is not that big mind is actually controlling small mind, but simply that when small mind becomes calm, big mind starts its true activity. So I can think of um, big mind as the Dharma wheel, maybe small mind is this wheel of samsara, our, our kind of small spinning mind. And um, he goes on to say something else which really struck me and has held on for me as an image. He says, um, a good example of our practice is a turtle, which has four legs, a head and a tail, six parts of the body, which are sometimes outside of the shell and sometimes inside. When you want to eat or go somewhere, your legs are out. But if they are always out, you'll be caught by something. In case of danger, you draw in your legs, your head, and your tail. The six parts refer to the five senses and the mind. Then he goes on to say, this is Sashim. For one week, for us, for five days, our head, tail, and legs are inside the shell. In the scriptures, it says that even demons cannot destroy us if the six parts of our body are inside the shell. So I've been thinking about this shell, this uh, turtle shell. And right before I came to sit down, I remembered from, um, uh, from braiding sweetgrass, we, uh, two years ago, it, I told the creation story, Sky Woman Falling. And this indigenous creation story, the turtle um, offered as refuge um, for the woman falling through the sky, his or her back, their back. And that it was from the turtle's back, a little piece of mud happened, and that's how the earth was created. So I love the idea of thinking about um, the turtle shell as our container for, for practice. And um, you can think of this turtle shell as uh, zazen is the shell. Our forms are a shell. The silence and our vows. And inside the shell is this uh, little turtle, <laughs> you know, that's really all soft inside, right? It's like... Um, uh, what's inside of, of this kind of um, protective, protective, uh, protective uh, offering. And um, it made me think about this idea about taking over. You know that often um, we feel the need to create our own shell 
like with our muscles, with our bodies, with our actions, but that when we are offered a container, a safe enough protective container, we can um, begin to uh, release and feel into and let go of the kind of um, uh, shell, the shell or the hardening of our muscles or our ideas or our thoughts. So we create this container. This is what Sashin is. And this is what the Sangha is. You know, it's a refuge. So sometimes the um, shell can feel a little bit confining. It can be hard to um, trust it. I think it's really usually most difficult in day one and day two because um, we are still, I think, spinning, you can say, in our, the wheel of samsara. It's like we, we're, once we stop, we start to feel how much we're spinning. You know, I don't know if you do this as a little kid. We'd all, you ever do this? You'd like, you'd like spin around and spin around and spin around, and then you'd stop. And it'd be like, you'd be still, but the whole room would still be spinning. It was a terrible feeling. I hated it. But that's the way it is, really. We stop, and then we can begin to feel all the spinning activity that we've been doing or that's been happening in the world around us. Really disorienting. And there's been so much spinning going on this year. You know, we're really, how can we not be dizzy? And so when we have this lovely shell, this refuge to hold us, we can begin to feel some of our suffering. It's a lot of suffering that we are probably always holding. And some of it is just the suffering of being embodied, the collective suffering that's so palpable. Thich Nhat Hanh talks about the, this, um, this, uh, suffering of being embodied. This is the dukkha that Kosen was talking about. There's two kinds of dukkha. I'm just gonna, the five remembrances. I'm of the nature to grow old. I'm of the nature to have ill health. I'm in the nature to die. All that is dear to me and everyone I love are the nature to change. And there's nothing we can hold on to, our actions are our only belongings. So we know this, we hold this in our muscles, we recognize that in some ways there is no refuge in the world of change. And then as we sit sashin and we sit inside of our shell and um, we might begin to feel the suffering of trying to grasp what's outside of our control. The pain of being with life, being with other people in relationships, everything that comes out of our divided consciousness. <coughs> you know, we, we create a kind of 
hardened idea of others based on our own projections. So when we are with others, really what we're doing is always meeting our own mind. We're always meeting uh, the wheel of samsara that we've created through our trauma, through our habits. We're never, we're, we're kind of often not able to take in any of the nourishment of, of life as it really is. But we're in this like house of mirrors. And then we are um, subject to our harmful thinking. Thich Nhat Hanh says, our harmful thinking can be enough to make the universe tremble. It's very powerful, very impactful. And when we sit down, we might begin to feel really the harmful thinking of how we talk to ourselves and treat ourselves, how we even approach Sashin, the aggression in which we approach our practice and each other. Whether it's projecting out the pain and suffering are caused by others or making it, you know, a, a kind of a self-disparagement project, you know. And all of this is really necessary. It's really important for that uh, turtle for us as turtles to begin to feel the impact of our lives and what we've endured. And then we, um, this, this shell uh, takes that over for us so we can feel. And we offer, you know, we offer to the turtle <laughs> certain kinds of ways of being with this information, this bodily information. You know, when, uh, when I was thinking about space, I was, you know, and yesterday it was cold and it was snowing and I kept, it was funny, it was like the space um, analogy or metaphor was, 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 um, felt cold to me. This was my own mind. It wasn't the, it wasn't the metaphor, but I, I had a lot of trouble feeling a lot of warmth yesterday. And I think it was my own response to the Sishin container. I just felt kind of brittle and irritable and I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't get warm. You know, we had a fire going all day yesterday. So I um, came across um, this quote, this uh, other quote from Suzuki Roshi, which is like, what is needed when we are beginning to feel into this kind of suffering? So for me, the metaphor is a warming. I need something warming and intimate. So um, there's a chapter and not always so called Be Kind With Yourself, Suzuki Roshi. He says, um, we put emphasis on warm heart, warm zazen. The warm, the feeling we have in our practice is, in other words, enlightenment or Buddha's mind. If we do not have warm, big satisfaction in our practice, this is not true practice. Even though you sit trying to have the right posture and counting your breath, it may still be lifeless zazen because you are just following instructions. You are not kind enough with yourself. 
you think that if you follow the instructions given by some teacher, then you will have good zazen. But the purpose of encourage, instruction is to encourage you to be kind with yourself. Do not count your breaths just to avoid your thinking mind, but to take the best care of your breathing. A mother will take care of her child even though she may have no idea how to make her baby happy. Similarly, when you take care of your posture and your breathing, and I would say, and all of your suffering, there is a warm feeling in it. When you take the utmost care of what you do, then you feel good. Then he tells a story about Tozan Ryokai, who is an, a teacher who was supposedly enlightened many times. And once when he was crossing a river, he saw himself reflected in the water and composed this verse. Don't try to figure out who you are. If you try to figure out who you are, what, will you, what you understand will be far away from you. You will just have an image of yourself. Actually, you are in the river. You may say it is just a shadow or a reflection of yourself, but if you look carefully with warm-hearted feeling, that is you. So we um, have these images, these ideas of ourselves, and they arise for us inside of this shell of zazen, this container. And it's almost as if sometimes they're so strong, we actually resist the warmth. <laughs> we don't want to. We don't want to open up to another image that might be warmer or softer or kinder. We might resist the teachings. We might resist the um, generosity or support of the container. Thich Nhat Hanh talks about practitioners as hungry ghosts. And he says, if you offer them understanding and love, they are skeptical. You have to be patient and earn their trust. So I think this is, you know, these there are a lot of hungry ghosts in our sangha, in all sanghas and inside of us. So to me, the first couple of days of Zazen is really calming those hungry ghosts, having them be able to feel the trust of the container, the letting go, to not have to tense in their own bodies about what is happening. So just, I just encourage you to patiently, patiently keep offering warmth, you know, not too much warmth that they might <laughs> really get overwhelmed. And then the other practice I think that helps us um, to slow down the dizzying of the of the wheel of samsara to start to settle into the ground of the dharma is what we would call inquiry or discernment. So we often really, as I said, have these stories about who we are or what the world is like or what the sangha is like or what the teachers are like, <laughs> what the students are like. So, uh, there's a, you know, so we have to ask ourselves, are we sure? And then settle down and let the time and the space for our perceptions to grow deeper, clearer and more, more subtle. And, you know, our, our, um, 
again, Thich Nhat Hanh, he says, every cell of our body possesses all the characteristics, elements, joy, and suffering of many generations of ancestors. So these, we've been talking a lot about the Yogacara teachings that there's these karmic seeds and they carry the energy of thousands of years. So as we settle and we start to, these things start to arise and we grab them as just our own, or we tell a very small limited story about what's happening. Can we open up and release and understand the, 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 the myriad conditions that caused this particular unfolding to arise? And um, I think that can help us really not take it so personally and um, allow us to um, have a little bit more humility and patience with how things have come to be for us, what this suffering, this mind, body is doing. And so we're not solely responsible for what's happening here in terms of it's coming to be. And when I feel that way, when I recognize that, it does generate some compassion, some warmth, some capacity for me to be with it. And I think if we can't do that, I think a lot of people when we meet with them and practice discussion, when I meet with people, it's like really hard for people to have compassion for their stories, for these arisings. And if we aren't able to do that, I would say in a way we haven't looked deeply enough and we haven't understood it enough. We haven't cared for it enough. cared for the circumstances of the suffering that made that event come to be. And when we can, our mind can settle down and we can begin to feel into this more subtlety of our experience, the sensations of a particular moment. You know, yesterday, uh, in this kind of brittle coldness that I was feeling, you know, I sat down for tea and I felt the, just the quiet gentleness of Ian and Ryan's serving. <laughs> and then I bit into the most delicious cookie. I'm sorry to tell you guys, hopefully you had good cookies too, <laughs> that Ella created. And to me, this is the most important shell that I want to talk about, which is the shell of our Sangha body. The refuge of our Sangha body. We are not practicing alone. So, you know, um, I think there's a natural tension that occurs, like I said, especially in the first couple of days or whenever we come together as a collective body, that there is some feeling of tension between the individual expression, the individual uh, wants and needs, and then this collective request, you know, to, to surrender to um, a different kind of body. 
and I think there is, it's not like this, you know, we, you know, as you all know very, very well, that it's a, it's a struggle, you know? It's not easy to give over to it. It can be disappointing, it can mean grief, it can mean I'm not allowed to do what I wanna do when I wanna do it. I mean, we're all doing this voluntarily, you know, we're all agreeing to it and vowing to it. And, and it's our choice, right? And in fact, you know, um, you've all made tremendous effort to, um, to, to organize your life so that you can feel into this get a taste for it. And yet it, it doesn't feel so good sometimes. Don't want to. <laughs> and I love that I don't want to, you know, this is a big thing for me. And, you know, like give expression to the, I don't want to, you know, two o'clock in the morning, I don't want to give a Dharma talk. I don't want to do this. I don't want to go to this Sazen period. I don't want to feel the, the um, space in between us, you know? But I really do believe that um, there's something very much deeper uh, that is functioning here that um, is beyond, is part of the mystery, you know? That we find each other and we've, we found our ways to each other despite the incredible differences among us. So I do think that there's something karmic in a wholesome way that brings us to each other and binds us to each other, you know, in different varying degrees and in different ways, despite how irritating or hard or difficult it might be to be together. And I think this is even more the case. I can feel, I have more faith in that given how we are continuing to try to stay together in this moment. Again, Thich Nhat Hanh says, each realm of being is a result of the collective consciousness of those dwelling there. And I really am talking just today about us as a Sangha, this Sangha, you know, that there's a collective consciousness here that we're tapping into and building and, and offering and maintaining a, 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 a wheel turning. And he says, the seeds in us lead us to share the life of others who are like us. <laughs> so our habit energies, perhaps our, our, our unwholesome karma draws us to each other. <laughs> as well as the wholesome karma draws us to each other. And that is what I think Rahatsu Sashin's or Sashin's year after year is like the way that we create a ceremony to remember, feel, and continue to um, take refuge in. It may not feel that way for everybody. For me, I... It isn't easy, even if, as I wanted to do this, but somehow my life path seems to have brought me into doing this here with all of you. <laughs> with all of the difficulty, 
and there's tremendous difficulty. Tremendous hurt and pains and disappointments between us at times. And tremendous devotion and vow and effort and aspiration and um, willingness to be um, molded by this collective container. So I wanted to go back to, um, to this image of that axis that Kosin mentioned and um, going straight down into Mother Earth. And um, two days before um, Sashin, you know, Radha sent me an article and <laughs> I think I had sent you an article about trees and then you sent me an article about trees. So I'm back to trees. I always go to trees. I love trees. And, um, and I think this, this article really spoke about the forest um, on one level. And then it, to me, it spoke about Sangha. So it was um, in the New York Times, and I'm happy to share it. I, I can ask someone to send it out, which is, it was called The Social Life of Forests. And I think some of this information, many of you know, because this is just kind of coming up and being part of our conversations. Um, there's a woman named Susan Simard, who's a professor of tree ecology. And she just wrote a beautiful article about, um, again, how trees communicate and share resources through this subterranean network of fungi. You know, so again, into this area of mystery and darkness, there is this underground sharing. And uh, one of the things to me that is so beautiful about it is that these fungi threads link nearly every tree in a forest together, despite the differences in the species, you know? Despite all of the different species <laughs> here in this room and here on the screen. And that when the loggers um, logged old growth forests and replaced it with these homogeneous uh, um, tree plantings, uh, this, the, the plants, the trees were more susceptible to um, disease and climate stress. So we actually, it actually depends on diversity, it depends on a myriad set of species living together. So these, so these, these threads underneath the ground, you know, the carbon, the water, nutrients, alarm signals and hormones all pass from tree to tree. And what I loved is in these old growth forests, the trees resources tended to flow from the oldest and the biggest to the smallest and the youngest. This is transmission. <laughs> this is a generational transmission and um, care. And uh, in these forests, what she found is if the tree is on the brink of death, it sometimes bequeaths a substantial share of its carbon to its neighbors. So there is a, there is a, a selflessness, you know, a willingness 
to forego something in order to make something else grow. And um, so this is how the wheel of Dharma spins. You know, this is what we do. And it goes against, you know, she talked about that since Darwin, biologists really um, have been focused on this idea of competitiveness, of natural selection, and that life and all species are in this ceaseless contest for limited natural resources. And this um, understanding about the way the forest actually works, yes, there's conflict at times, but there's also cooperation, negotiation, reciprocity, and that it's seen as one living organism. And the sensitivity of our responsiveness or the responsiveness to life around the trees is significant. Uh, one of the studies that were mentioned in this article was that certain, this is how sensitive life is, that certain flowering plants sweeten their nectar when they detect a bee's wings beats. That's moving to me. And over the course of five days in Sashin, I think we do the same. You know, the sensitivity that arises inside of our shells, the shell of Sashin, we can feel and sense into life and how to respond to life in a loving, kind, thoughtful way. Or we can hear the tremendous violence of some of our thoughts as we slow down and we're in silence. And as we we open up to each other despite ourselves. So this image of like the intimacy of the, 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 the navigation of all the beings and the insects and the creepy crawlers and everything in the depths of mother earth up to the sky. So in this same, I'll just end when this same um, fascicle of Dogen that Kosa mentioned yesterday the other part of the fascicle says, even a tile or a pebble, a fallen leaf, an Udambara blossom, or even a brocade robe, when taken up and turned by Buddha ancestors, that's us, is the Buddha Dharma wheel and the Buddha treasury of the true Dharma eye. And there's another fascicle that talks about different ways, the whole, what the whole universe in the 10 directions is. And I would say the whole universe in 10 directions is the brightness of the Sangha body. So who knows what has brought us together again in this way for Sashin, for Rohatsu Sashin with all of you navigating everything that you're navigating, with all the beings supporting you to do this, with all the pain and frustration and difficulties of our 
karmic conditioning. We, can we rest in the courage and the brightness and the tenacity? Can we trust in this deep underground thread of connections that have brought us together and keep us together, feeding resources to each other in whatever way? And as we do that, we can open up to this wide, vast, wider, vaster web of connections, you know? Can we let the warming of our hearts through kindness allow us to um, let go and put down the cynicism, the skepticism, letting us open up to this kind of really beautiful story, not negating the hardship, not negating the mundaneness of it, you know, not making it into something extra special, you know, but it's precious. It's precious to me. And I know it's precious to all of you or you wouldn't be sitting here today with me. May our intention equally penetrate every... Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by the Brooklyn Zen Center. Our programs are given free of charge and made possible by the donations we receive. For more information on supporting Brooklyn Zen Center, please visit the giving section of brooklynzen.org.